Hi, I'm Tali Kasparis. I'm a progressive activist. I'm a casting director. I work as a death doula. I'd like to welcome you to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. I'm Wendy Sheridan, and this is The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. And hi, I'm Robin Renee. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 127. Yes. This season, we are exploring democracy. We are asking questions about how democracy works in the U.S. and elsewhere, and what we can do to preserve our democratic system and make it better. Other questions we have are, how does U.S. democracy work as it intersects with capitalism, racism, and all of our identities? What can we learn from other countries and other time frames? And how do democratic approaches function in small groups and interpersonal relationships? Definitely a lot to learn and look at. So I'm kind of looking forward to our other uh, interviews and segments this season that, that work with all that. And today we are pleased to share my interview with Los Angeles-based progressive grassroots activist, Tali Kasparis. Uh, she has a lot of good things to say about how to get involved with issues that matter in our communities, our specific communities and beyond that. And she's also a casting director and a death doula, which is just fascinating. So uh, wow. please stay tuned to learn more about and from Tali Kasparis. <laughs> Before our featured interview, join us for our final Ikigai slash first ever Earthscape segment. So yes, it's going to be an interesting... Uh, being mysterious because we want you to come and listen. Yes. We'll be in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> After Definitely. the news. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm having weird... Just, I'm just having a weird time of life right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm okay, I guess. I, I did go to, uh, there is a, our local or regional pagan community had the their 25th pagan picnic this weekend. Oh, you went. Okay. And that I did was, not see pictures of you that people are posting. Oh, I was maybe hiding. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know. Well, it's, everything is like Steve Repco with somebody. That, oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was really good. It was I think the weather was perfect for it. It could have been extremely hot and buggy, and it was neither of those things. Really? It was just kind of okay. pleasant and uh, good to catch up with a few people and do some ritual and just sort of touch base. And so, you know, good weekend overall. And I did wow. a bunch of walking. I decided to build up to like a half marathon distance again. Mm. So not necessarily running. I might do like a speed walking kind of thing, but I'm sort of Sundays, I'm doing like the long walk segment good. of the week. So that yeah, feels good. That's really good. I now I was expecting it to be too hot and too buggy. So I didn't go to the pagan picnic. And now I'm kind of sad. I was but thinking I of you. I was like, <laughs> this when Wendy would have been okay here. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been okay there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been, you know, just trying to avoid being outside in any way. <laughs> 
<laughs> for like the last few days, definitely. It's like the minute it gets above 95 degrees, it's like I am not going outside. It's just not happening. Not with the humidity the way it is. And um, I've discovered also that certain adhesive that I use, for example, to keep the cats away from my my flowers in I have a garden window in my bedroom and I have to I have a piece of plexiglass that keeps the cats off the shelves because otherwise they'd eat the spider plants and stuff if it gets 95 degrees or above the adhesive on the velcro that holds that together just decides I can't stick anymore and everything falls down so it sucks yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I, oh. I think command strips do that too, but it hasn't gotten that ho- hot on the walls yet. So. Okay. Uh, so our technology fails at higher temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, also happy gotcha day to my cat Rando, which was oh. t- so our two-year anniversary was uh, this weekend. So that's always cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You need to post pictures of Rando on our stuff. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll post some. She's, that she's will boost, that Trust me, that will boost our engagement everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> pictures of cats, they always yes. are. Well, as always, you can catch a new episode of The Leftscape every other Wednesday. Subscribe to the show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you sign up for automatic downloads so you never miss a show. Yes, and please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Leftscape. You can check out our show notes on the website, which feature links for you to follow our show guests and to get more info on the topics we just talk about. And while you're on our site, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. Your downloads, likes, follows, and subscriptions really help us grow. And we usually ask you to give us a review wherever you listen, and that's always great. But we also really have a different ask this time. Um, Today, uh, if you are on Facebook, uh, or please give us a like if you haven't, and then interact with our page. Just, you know, even if you do like or post anything at all, just some something to let the <laughs> let the algorithm know you want to hear more from us because we would really like to have more interaction on our pages and to just get our posts seen so you know when our shows are out and whatever stuff we want to share news and other content so that would be awesome yeah they uh facebook for a very short period of time was doing a podcast friendly thing where it would just play our podcast and this would it's happened for like a month or two and then they said for some reason it was a few months and it was not do it nice yeah because yeah. we had it syndicated to our facebook page and i had it syndicated on my robin renee fan page and people were hearing more from us and yeah and, and, and then they were getting decided it wasn't I don't know why they decided it wasn't something they wanted to do, but now we're back. Now we're back to. Uh, well, to I think hidden. it takes people off of Facebook, which they don't care oh, to do. Oh, all right, all right. Now we've now we've uncovered the the, the dirty laundry. I think so. Oh well. So we oh, got to well. try harder. <laughs> Speaking of going away from Facebook, we have a Patreon. <laughs> yes. And on Patreon, supporters can listen to our latest exclusive segment, We Should Be Recording This. And for July, our topic is leaving the USA. Uh, We talk about some people's decisions to leave the country in the light of current politics. Join us on Patreon and come listen. (laughs) Yep. 
We have recently updated our Patreon support levels to add backstage access for those who want to uh, see how the podcast sausage is made, or I'd maybe rather say tofu pups or seisan or something. <laughs> but anyway, so we use the Squadcast web app for recording our podcasts, and they've added a new backstage feature. So that allows you to be in the room and watch and listen while we're recording. So we're excited to offer that new possibility and to have that technology. So <laughs> I, I hope we don't live to regret that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> you get, you, you'll get a nice uh, view of my working space and my microphone, which is in front of my face all the time and <laughs> all kinds of things. I have to like, wear, maybe wear a shirt or a bra or something. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'm already polite. I, I try to be polite and actually like wear clothes for these, for your benefit, Wendy. So, <laughs> okay, I'm already. I, I guess I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm already trying to uh, clean up a bit here. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into our three random facts and the news. And today, my facts are very random because I was literally just clicking. Wikipedia, show me a random article until something vaguely interesting showed up. And what showed up is the Sipsi is a clarinet-like single reed instrument used mainly in folk music and native to the Aegean region of Greece and Turkey. The word Sipsi is possibly onomatopoeic. Wow, I actually said that. <laughs> in ancient Greece, it was known as the Kalama. All right, I'm going to screw this one up. Kalamavlos, 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 meaning cane flute. The sipsi can be made of bone, wood, or reed, though the reed variant is most common. Its size varies from region to region, but it generally contains five, five finger holes in the front and a one finger hole in the back. Cool. I like that. According to a study recently published in Nature Astronomy, there is a 10% chance of one or more casualties due to space junk over the next decade. It is more likely to happen in, over southern latitudes and it due to uh, lethal debris spread by re-entry. So more than actually getting hit by space junk, it would be like the aftermath of space junk. Wow. So that's kind of weird. And you said that you saw an image yeah, of someone I, uh, in Australia with space junk? Yes, this actually some space junk landed in in uh, a cattle rancher's farm field um, in Australia, which they there there's a picture going around uh, social media right now of this like black pointy vert you know like it's more it's like vertically sticking up out of the ground and you can't really tell how big it is and they don't really say in the in the little blurb that goes with the picture but it's space junk that <laughs> fell on somebody's field that didn't actually hit any living like it didn't hit any cattle it didn't hit any people so you know it probably oh. hit a bug or something but you know um yeah. no no megafauna were <laughs> harmed by this particular space junk so stuff is falling now Weird. so <laughs> And then, I mean, literally, I was randomly clicking articles and getting mostly uh, in Wikipedia. It's lots and lots of people, um, dead and alive, lots of uh, cities <laughs> in various parts of the world. And then suddenly, 
It showed me a photo and a very bare bones description of uh, an apartment building, Alden Park Manor in Philadelphia, where I used to live for a few years. And that kind of really just blew me away. That would freak me out. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, when when I, I, was, I was going, I was still a student and this was when we had moved off campus and it's in Germantown. And it was originally when it was built in the 20s, I guess it's claim to fame. It was like one of the first co-op apartment buildings in the country. But the details that they don't mention <laughs> in the article and I may, I actually put something in the chat about the articles like I used to live there, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I may add some information that they'll probably pull because I can't, I have to go research and find actual sites for, you know, citing it. But there was, uh, there used to be a restaurant in the complex that burned down under suspicious circumstances in the middle of the night one year. And, uh, and when it was built, it was definitely a restricted building. Uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let Jews live there and they wouldn't let people of color live there. So it was kind of... When I moved in, it was kind of like I felt, you know, like sticking it to the man or something like, you know, fuck you, I can live here now. You know, that kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Um, but it was a very fancy apartment building. I had a one bedroom apartment with two separate doors. There was a door in the kitchen for the servants. And there was like the front door that had a little vestibule that you came in and it had interesting features like because it was built before there was air conditioning the uh, the hallways opened up onto like this little platform where you could look outside so there was you could open the doors to the to the ends of the hallway and um get airflow and you had a uh like a louvered door outside of your screen your regular door so you could leave your door open and get airflow in in your build in your room which which was pre air conditioning you really needed that and uh, there was really gorgeous plaster work everywhere. Like the lobby had this gigantic fireplace with these like people holding up, you know, like sculptures of people holding up the mantelpiece with grapes and, you know, very Romanesque. And, and there were <laughs> built-in bookcases. I had a fireplace in my apartment that worked. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So how did you know it was a, re a restricted building I at one forget. point? I forget. Somebody told me. Okay. Yeah, I just <laughs> was... wonder if there's a way to look it up or how you would know that. Oh, That's I wild. would have to. Yeah, I'd have to figure it out. But yeah. um, it was. Um, somebody told me it was definitely that area. It was in, you know, the Germantown area of Wissahickon on, off of Wissahickon Drive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting really Philly but anyway that is a cool yeah random I mean, thing to run it's into. a very random fact and and if you've ever watched the movie blowout um i think it was an altman film they filmed it the part of it like the car that ran off the road into the river that was right near my apartment so mm -hmm. it happened they were filming it on wissahickon drive because i was driving past it in the mornings every day when they were filming and you could see the car like the stunt car sticking up out of the water and anyway i think that that movie takes place in philadelphia so <laughs> from the 80s or the 70s right well cool all right uh i guess let's get into the news now So everybody's probably heard this, but uh, since I've been, you know, uh, abortion rights are one of my things, 
the Kansas primary that happened, I guess it was a, it would be like oh, two weeks ago now or a week. Yeah, it was like right after we recorded our last show. It was the day after that. So it's two weeks right. ago. They voted almost two to one to let the right of bodily autonomy for women remain in the, in the Kansas Constitution. I think that's what happened, right? Because you had to vote no. You had to vote no, don't change it. Yeah. Right. So no right, was right. the so, good vote. <laughs> yeah. No was no was what you wanted. And, and that was like, so not only did they phrase the question on the ballot to confuse people to, to, to try to get more yes votes, they didn't because people were paying attention. And, and these are... These are all counties that like went for Trump in 2016. And, you know, so it's not it's not a, a party specific thing. It's women. You know, we I was just so very happy to see this happening and, and by such a, a large margin. Yeah, that was really encouraging to me. There actually was a fraudulent phone campaign to try to tell people that, yes, was a vote for. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. not only was it weir- worded weirdly, but there were some uh, real attempts at confusing people. And, I know. And that, that, really that really makes me angry. Failed people- royally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, way to go, Kansas. And I'm, I'm hoping that that is a good sign that people are not going to, yeah. are not going to put up with that kind of, you know. Yeah. They're not going to put up with this court bullshit. bullying. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that, you know, it, it's. I hope it's a good sign for people remembering in November and every time we need to vote on this kind of stuff. So yes, this is uh, democracy in action. Yay! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and on Sunday afternoon, I didn't know Congress worked on Sundays. Actually, this well, was they normally don't. I think it's because they're going on vacation. Right. Very soon. So they're trying to get and things I, done. They're trying to get this done. But uh, Sunday afternoon, the Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which is a, this is sort of what's left of what was being called Build Back Better, I think, at one point, uh, which incorporates a lot. So this is, this is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the vestiges of Build Back Better. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I okay. find that the name really interesting because it's sort of tacked it toward economics as opposed to what I think of it as is as environmental bill oh, and okay. infrastructure. You know, it's, it does a lot of different things. But anyway, it's a $750 billion health care tax and climate bill, really. So it's doing okay. a lot of that stuff. And Vice President Kamala Harris was the deciding vote in this case. Right, because it was all of the Republicans voted no and all of the Democrats voted we yes. Finally, finally got all got the Democrats on board. Mansion to vote yes on something. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was quite the <laughs> drama. And this bill represents the largest climate investment in U.S. history and makes major changes to health policy by giving Medicare the power for uh, for the first time, to negotiate prices of certain prescription drugs and expand, extends expiring healthcare subsidies for three years. Um, right, and they also, in Met, if Medicare has a, a cap on um, the price of insulin, and they wanted to have it for private private insurers too, but the Republicans made them take that out. Just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. So while it it did pass, the Republicans did get to fuck with it a little bit. Right. Yeah, it was definitely a, a negotiated yes. thing, and we get you know it's not as robust as 
people hoped in the beginning, but it's still pretty huge. Yes. You know? so it's something. Looking, it, yeah. It, it, we got something so done. So the house has <laughs> to deal, do it, and uh, and then we got to get it signed. So, uh, yeah. Let's see what else. The legislation would reduce the deficit also, and it's mm-hmm. being paid through new taxes, including a 15% minimum tax on large corporations, and would boost the Internal Revenue Service's ability to collect. So, yeah, they're gonna like a, they're, they're gonna give the IRS the investigators more. They, you know, one of the problems is they haven't had the money to do the audits that they want to do. And people have been, you know, taking advantage of loopholes and 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 other bullshit. So, yeah. So this is this is really good. Oh, and there's also a tax on a one percent. I wish it was higher, but I guess they couldn't get that done. A one percent tax on stock buybacks for big okay. corporations. That's right. another. That's another revenue generate. Well, it's also because you know when. When these big companies seem to get all these money, all this money instead of you know creating jobs like the politicians keep saying is going to happen, which was you know the justification for Trump's tax cuts, all the the companies they did not create jobs, they just bought back stock. I guess the federal government wants to discourage them from doing that. So so yay, got it. <laughs> cool. Thanks for explaining that bit, too. I wasn't exactly sure what the 1% was about, but that makes sense now. Yeah. And in literally explosive news, uh, fishermen on the bank of the Po River in Italy discovered a thousand pound unexploded bomb left over from World War II. Yikes. And the way they the reason they discovered it is because because of the heat and the drought that's going on there, the, the river is very, very low. So now people can see what's sitting on the river bottom. So they found it and the Italian army detonated the bomb and there will be a link to the Guardian article about this where you can see a picture of the big explosion kaboom, uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Things that go kaboom. Nice. (laughs) The New York State Department of Health is urging immunization against polio. This is really just unbelievable to me. So there is a case that came up in Rockland County. So one person has been found to have polio in Rockland County, New York right now. And they're finding environmental samples like in the, in the water, in the wastewater um, in Rockland and Orange counties. Mm. So, well, that's how they're fine. That's actually how they find out a lot of stuff. Yes. Is were they looking at viral loads in the water in the wastewater? Is that I believe so. Yes, and so and it's and it corresponds to the areas that have the least vaccination rates. Oh, really? Yes. So, like most places are pretty universally vaccinated, but for whatever reason, in Rockland and Orange counties, there's enough anti-vax people or whatever that its vaccination is like 50 60 some percent or something like that it's just lower than other places wow and so terrifying they're pleading please if your children are not vaccinated against polio please do because i have a question how long is the vaccine good for is it good for your entire life i haven't seen any calls to get a booster for polio so i'm okay. hoping we're good but because it's i like, want to know too i've been thinking that, about that, that vaccine is 60 years old in me so right you know i i want to know too yeah. um yeah it's, yeah it's 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 crazy because it's just something we haven't had to think about in no. you know 
my entire lifetime, really. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I remember when when they were they there was a table set up on the corner of our street in Queens, and I and they gave you a pink sugar cube, and that was it. This isn't even a shot, right? <laughs> you I know? think I did it in, in elementary school. That's yeah, how I remember it. Yeah, I I, I remember, and I kind of remember getting online again because I wanted another sugar cube, but I don't remember <laughs> if they actually gave it to me or not. And and this is you know a child remembering, so I don't know if my I don't remember my mom being there, but I know she probably had to be because I don't think they would just give random kids like medicine without sure. like parental approval. Right. So right. it's very you know my memory of this is very strange, but I remember her telling me stories of you know her mother every summer being terrified you know in the in in the 20s mm. and this is this is what happens when you have an old person <laughs> around that can tell you stories about a hundred years holy shit it was a hundred years ago <laughs> <laughs> um god i am old so yeah i guess we're coming up on my mother's hundredth birthday in a couple of years so wow. um but yeah it used to be in the summer is when it would spread a lot, I guess, because the kids would be running around swimming in, you know, the East River or whatever. Right. <laughs> and and uh, it was not fun. So, you know, my, my grandmother used to worry about her kids every summer. And yeah. So this is an oldie we don't want to bring back. Please. No. <laughs> and in other virus news. Um, okay. <laughs> Monkeypox has been declared a public health emergency. Oh. So that actually means that they're going to start taking it more seriously, you know, so mm -hmm. it will step up vaccine production and availability. And the agencies have to share information now. Apparently, you know, they, this group doesn't necessarily talk to the other group about what they're discovering and what, you know, sharing resources and things like that. So I think under an emergency declaration, they have to. Oh, okay. So, so in other words, there's legal reporting things that go along with declaring a public health emergency. Right, exactly. And that's why they were urging this to happen because it puts yeah. this stuff into into motion. And and they and they really they really can't just blame this on gay people this time. No. Is that? No. I mean, well, I mean they're trying to. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Yeah, but no, you can't you can't blame it's it's a virus. It doesn't, right. It's not being, you know, and prejudiced it's not sexually it's not, transmitted. It's not it's not based on that. Right. No, it, it happens to have wound up in the gay male population, gay and bisexual men. And it is because of people's contacts and who they are having contact with, it's tending to spread there. And right. we need to be frank about how it spread and let people know how to not spread it and not be coy about it and also not be friggin prejudice about it yeah <laughs> and 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 really uh you know some of the politicians are being pretty glib about it and saying oh it's not you know <sighs> this is no big deal or whatever and it is and you know it's um we we need to take care of it yeah sooner than later and unfortunately it's it's spread farther than it ever had to you know well if people like, were not like being, covid yeah, exactly. Yes. You know. So, but anyway, so if you want to learn about it and again, laugh but... a little bit too, watch John Oliver <laughs> because he, <laughs> he talked about it in his recent show. So, In some more other news, the white father and son who chased and killed Ahmaud Aubrey in a Georgia neighborhood a couple of years ago um, and were convicted in 
I guess, in the state courts. Uh, they were also convicted at, in federal court for hate crimes, and the judgment came down, I guess, early Monday morning that they're getting another life sentence each plus 10 years. So, yay. So, yeah. So they're, I guess they're, seeing they're them again. getting out. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And the third guy, because he didn't bring a gun, he did not get a, another life sentence. Right. I, I think his sentence was pretty heavy still, though, because he was definitely part of it. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you, this, this, is, this actually is kind of old news because it happened last week. <laughs> so, but uh, Nichelle Nichols passed over the veil last week and she will be greatly missed that's yeah that's a rough one for me yeah i mean if if you're one of the two people that don't know who that is she played lieutenant uhura in the original star trek and i'm sure she did other things too but that's kind of you know that's what made her iconic and what made her just to have a black woman so visible and powerful in that and show competent and, and competent and not a maid. <laughs> yes, exactly. Was 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 really just really important. I mean, you know, Martin oh, Luther yeah. King actually basically forbade her to quit the, from quitting the show. <laughs> 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 it was like you can't leave the show. It's so important, and he really convinced her how you know yeah, to put up with whatever bullshit Roddenberry was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know all the. You probably know way more inside stories about that. No, I think I think there were there were issues on set. I think I don't know, like the first year that she was not thrilled with. Which yeah. I mean, otherwise, why would an actor give up a like a decent paying gig or something? Sure. But, um, yeah, I'm sure there were. You know, and uh, I I just remember you know the Whoopi Goldberg in one of her stand up routines many many years ago she would do she when she noticed when she saw star trek and that kind of like you know she ran to her mom she goes there's a black woman on tv and she's not a maid right <laughs> they all like ran in to see wow <sighs> that's wild and and, <laughs> and then there's also the the interracial kiss which was a huge yes. i don't know earth-shattering moment on television i guess I, I at guess. the time you know i guess and it also made a, a fun line in the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before. I, I have to, it has to, anything, everything has to, if it has Star Trek, I have to geek out a tiny bit. And, and, <laughs> um, and Nichelle Nichols' line, one of her lines in that episode was, I had to kiss Shatner. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it was a great sacrifice for uh <laughs> Thanks for Social. taking one for the team. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man. We also we also lost Olivia Newton-John today and that's been I can't explain it. it it's that it's hitting me in a way that I think she was an icon at exactly the right moment when I was a kid to really mm. matter in a way okay. and to be I don't know kind of a, a an image of talent and beauty that a lot of people wanted to be like or be with or something like that and she figures pretty heavily in my weird sort of subculture on discord actually so oh, there wow. are people who you know there are a bunch of people who are going to be playing tunes and 
Yeah. Is really. she does she do any yacht rock or or not? I am trying to think. There may be one song that is that is officially on the Yatsky scale. Um, <laughs> I will have to look it up. But you know, but but there's a lot of folks that listen to a lot of pop rock and other types of things too. And so you know, it's, yeah. it will definitely be. She'll be remembered for sure. Yes, she will. Yeah. I, and she. I'm not gonna yuck your yum, but she did not do anything for me when she was pop. I was not into that entire genre of music that she was doing when it came out. Yeah, no, I was not. I didn't think you would. It's, you know, it's a different Yeah, I know. I I was, I think this was part of the, when I stopped listening to radio, because everything pissed me off phase. Right, right. (laughs) A little bit of uh, trouble in Mar-a-Lago today. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't make me sad. (laughs) No, no, that... uh, between between that and Alex Jones's lawyer incompetent lawyers and and all of that stuff, yeah. Were they was, was he incompetent or did he just allow that to happen or make that happen? Because if he we'll didn't never know. try to, I, I don't think we'll ever know. He didn't try to mitigate no. anything. I mean, I like to think that he was pretending incompetence so he won't get in trouble for doing what he did, but. I I'm not unhappy about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I I um I don't usually have such a high levels of Schadenfreude as I do right now, <laughs> <laughs> but I really do right now, and yeah. I'm um, very curious to see what they have found at Mar-a-Lago and what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Well, with I that. think I think it all has to do with the classified documents he wasn't supposed to take out of the White House. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know that. Everybody, there's a lot of really funny shit on Twitter over this. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and, and I, I'm, it's good to know. And I think, you know, people that I've been listening to on other podcasts and things have felt that Merrick Garland is doing his job and he's very methodical and he's very quiet and he's just yeah. going to do things when it's time. And, and yeah. that's what it seems to be. So. I mean, that's kind of how I found out about it is some of my friends were like the first post I saw on Facebook about this was I never want to play poker with Merrick Garland. Right. Something, you know, that was the first thing to say, Oh, what's happening. So I had to go <laughs> look up stuff. Wow. Everybody was being very cryptic. Nice. And uh, I read Trump's statement that was just, they insane. even broke into my safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we will see. It's definitely yeah. remains think, interesting. Yes, and that's uh, all the news we're handling today. Are you helping someone run for office? Are you running for office yourself? Going to a protest and can't think of what to write on your sign? Are you tired of seeing BLM or Let's Go Brandon? Then you want the Sloganator. We at the Leftscape have curated a special set of slogans for your next protest or campaign. Visit leftscape.com sloganator and voila, you'll receive a fresh new slogan for your sign. That's leftscape.com sloganator. So welcome to the Earthscape, which 
is the former Ikigai segment of our podcast. And I'm going to let Robin explain what Earthscape is supposed to be. And then I'm going to tell you why we're not doing Ikigai anymore. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm on the spot. Let's see. Yes, you're on the spot. Well, Earthscape is going to be a segment about everything that we associate with Earth as a symbol in our spiritual tradition, earth is a symbol that is associated with groundedness and finance and physicality and sort of all the solid things we need in life in various ways. And I'm sure I'm missing the topics, but but that's the element of earth in the five element the five element system that is used in the Wiccan spirituality and also many other things. And, and the, the five elements are air, water, fire, earth, and spirit. So, so what we have, (laughs) so we, so we kind of discovered we had like five different segments other than the interviews that we've been doing for the past couple of years. And, and they actually corresponded inadvertently to those five elements and and once i decided that i'm that ikigai is not something i will be talking about going forward we replaced it with with just just blatantly calling it earth um yeah and i think it makes sense as a as a sort of as a symbol because we were yeah. we originally ikigai was sort of about career and finding right. the balance of all the things that you want right. in your life in, in a right. physical right. sort of down-to-earth sense. Yes, and yes. I, we started, we... I started talking about Ikigai based on the Venn diagram that is not really explaining Ikigai. It, it explains, you know, what you want your ideal career path to be, which was the four, the four things of, you know... Uh, what you can, what you, what you're good at, what you love, and what what the world needs, and what people what will you pay can get you for, paid right? for. Yeah. So we figured that, and because prior to that, and I think it was probably in in not even in this podcast, but the one before this, we would talk about because we all we're all entrepreneurs, we're all working on our you know freelancing and working for ourselves, and so we were talking about how we survive financially in the world without working like in a corporate job. And that was kind of, cause we figured other people are also doing this. Everybody's got a side hustle or, you know, their main hustle. And, and we were trying to, to talk about stuff that would be um, related to that. And then when I dis- when I discovered, you know, what Ikigai actually was, you know, cause I read a couple of books you know, I tried to explain that. And then it, it's getting into, you know, a lot of what Ikigai really is. It's it's a Japanese cultural thing. And I'm not going to be able to explain it or try to teach anybody that at this point. You know, for, for me to do that now, it's definitely cultural appropriation. Because I haven't, I haven't put the time in working with actual... Japanese people who have been raised in this and understand it 
at a much deeper level than I probably ever will, or definitely will, just from reading a book or two or three. So I'm admitting I'm not qualified to teach this, so we're going to talk about something else now. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, though, I would have appreciated the... As opposed to teach, like, I understand your idea of not wanting to profess to teach something that you don't really know about, you know, Um, and especially something that's sort of in your being, if you're in a culture and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that you're not in, that makes sense to me. I would have appreciated your journey, your exploration of it, as opposed to like, here's the thing I'm teaching this segment as but this is what i'm trying to grapple with and learning and struggle with like to me that that has validity okay and, and i don't think that that to me doesn't feel appropriate because it's just witnessing someone trying to get somewhere as opposed to saying this is what i know and and, okay. and i and i've totally get you not wanting to share that or not being ready to take that journey to the level yeah that well it, it it's also yeah, it, a lot of this is, you know, in my own head, and it's it's not, I, I don't have good words to say. <laughs> I'm not articulate enough to figure, to, to like explain this. Even in, you know, you know, I, from reading all of this stuff, I get, I get the, the impression that Japanese culture is way more community oriented than American culture. You know, they they're not into this rugged individual cowboy bullshit that everybody seems to buy into here, you know. And and I find when I read about how like these really tight knit communities, you know, are able to work together and accomplish all these things, it kind of makes me really jealous because we're not, uh, you know, we're not brought up to, to, to want to even do that in a lot of ways. At least it feels like that to me, you know, it, it's a bunch of individuals trying to, you know, get their piece of the pie kind of thing. There's a lot, yeah, we're definitely yeah. are taught to that if you can't just strike out and make it on your own, you're a loser of a sort. <laughs> you know, and, I definitely have got I've felt messages like that over time. Yeah, and it's and it's 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 not even real. Yeah, like, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's not. For, I mean, all of these, you know, all of your billionaires, they it's not like they started with nothing. It's none of them started with nothing. They, you know, most of them are, you know, children of wealthy families right you know and so eh, anyway <laughs> yeah well it's a, you know it's definitely a good different cultural difference to to notice and it's a way to think about how sometimes things don't quite translate right you know like i think about like the concept of karma and yes. how it gets used in american sort of parlance and what i at least kind of gather it means in Buddhism and Hinduism and, and of the things that I've studied somewhat more deeply. And it's a very different thing. It's not, it's not just like, oh, you do a bad thing and karma is going to come get you. It's, not, it's like, that's how America. Yeah. It's not like, it. not like the, the revenge of the gods. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, th- those terms are, 
tricky for sure. Yeah, so I, I didn't want to add. So so it's like I'm basically I'm canceling myself about this because I don't want to add to the giant pile of misinformation about specifically about that subject, but also just the giant pile of misinformation that just sits in our culture and stinks up the place. <laughs> well, that is more than fair. So um, I like that visual, actually. <laughs> I should draw a car- political cartoon, and the pile will be like you know, flat Earth and QAnon and karma. And That's <laughs> just funny. all of the things we don't understand. Right? <laughs> oh man! So with Earthscape, what are some of the things you will want to talk oh, about? God, we could talk about you know. Well, we could go back to talking about business money making hustle you know your your side hustle kind of concepts we could talk about that stuff we could talk about i would say investing but i know i suck at that so <laughs> don't <laughs> take investing advice from me <laughs> we might need guests on our b segment yeah, to yeah, explain yeah. Things that, to us. yes i mean certain concepts i could tell i could talk to you about mortgages <laughs> uh, yes i exciting stuff well (laughs) i'm just i'm just stereotypes about jews (laughs) money lending okay (laughs) god oh man um you know we could talk about environmental stuff we could talk about anything that happens with with earth i I I like that and i like the expanded concept that it can really explore all that stuff and i'm interested in how people do things cooperatively, you know, like people who are the exceptions in our in our cultures that want to rely on each other in a different in different ways, or people who don't want to work for the man and <laughs> don't want to be throat cutting, you know, entrepreneur right. types. Like how do you know how do you do cooperative living? How do you do other other things that yeah, sort of that, that sustain us? I, yeah, I mean, we could even, I I could even have a couple of thoughts about that right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of it also has to do, I think, with intentional communities. Mm -hmm. On a very, very small scale, I think we do this. I think we have, you know, it's like your friends and your support network. And if you're an artist or a musician, it's your fan base kind of thing. And, it, and it's also, I mean, this harkens back to, to my interview with, with Danny Vargas. It's like they have, and I, and I realize this is, a, this is something that's a generational thing. And I was not, it's, it's the, you know, like the, the raw way music community, like the, the bands, uh, the rock band, whatever. It's not necessarily rock, but the live music, these live, people. thank you, the live music people. <laughs> It's they're all playing similar genre esque sort of you know it it's electron it's music that's amplified it's not like you know a string quartet or any of that stuff it's it's modern music you know the combos bass drums vocalists guitars keyboards that kind of thing it's there's like I would say like thirty ish people they all know each other. They all do projects together. It's like everybody's in everybody else's band for a minute. And my husband, who grew up here too, he said, you know, when he was in his late, you know, mid-20s to mid-30s, that age group, and that's what this age group is, there was another cohort 
of his friends who were all in it was all the same kind of thing in in the 80s you know so this happens and and sadly i kind of moved out of the area where i grew up so i never really got inserted into a community like that when i wanted to do music so i was always like this outsider and it was it was a little harder for me to become established and when i finally did it was a project that i started on my own anyway you know music for the goddess and and that was <laughs> shit i didn't even do that till you know it was probably in my late 30s early 40s when i was doing that so so yeah i got into it late so i'm seeing a you know communities like that and they've existed and some people i guess out of those communities one or two of them may actually like make it into like mainstream you know and 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 then i'm thinking about like the community i was when i was living down in uh in monmouth county like at the ocean county border you know everybody everybody knew zach wild for example you know because he got picked up by uh ozzy or his wife found him and then he was playing with ozzy osbourne for a while you know and and so there's always like the one famous person <laughs> out of the group it's like but yeah, so so I see it a little bit. I, I see it in in some of the artist communities. I mean, the art community, it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of a vending at at the pagan festivals cuz a lot, you know, basically you're buying you, you look through all the vendor stuff, you buy some stuff too. They buy stuff off of you. Everybody, it's basically we're all buying stuff off of each other. And sometimes that feels like you know, it's sort of like a shell game, but then it's not because it's it plays into that whole velocity of money thing. You mm. know, that's where somebody has to hire a babysitter so they could go to work or they could go out to dinner or something. So the babysitter gets 20 bucks. She and then the babysitter has to pay for an Uber to get home and then they buy lunch at the at a you know, the, so that that money that they made at at the babysitting, you know, the Uber driver needs to spend the 10 bucks for something else. So that money gets, you know, sent around the community like a whole lot. That's the velocity of money. Whereas it, whereas opposed to like a, a, you know, a one percenter when they get $10, they throw it in the bank and it just sits there. Mm-hmm. So that, so I kind of, I'm aware of that, you know, that's like those, that's like, so... I would prefer to buy something off of somebody than just to give them a GoFundMe money. Although I've done that too, you know? Yeah. And and I think I, I do appreciate that sort of community support of other artists and things like that who show up and want to be part of a scene as opposed to just right. be their own star in the, star, <laughs> in the solar system, you know? And I think that, I think that does make a difference, but, I, but you do want to, be attracting other people to come see you and be part of oh, yeah. the scene as well. And I, I, yes, I, I yes. sort of sense it can be, it can be a challenging if you feel like you're only each other's audience and that's the only audience. I mean, that's right. That's sort of depressing, but I think that <laughs> the, the inner workings of those scenes, I think are very valuable for sure. Yes, 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 yes. You know? Yeah. I went to see an old bandmate, Friday night and got spontaneously called up to sing Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Which I was like, <laughs> wait, what? I'm singing? What's happening? <laughs> it was fun. It was it was not 
I wasn't expecting to be seen. I was just trying to see, but it was okay. It was good. That's and, cool. I, and it sort of prompted some interest in doing some more things and that kind oh, of thing. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So it was fun. But yeah, that feels grounding to me, those kinds of long time associations and connections. Yeah. So I guess that's some of the things we'll be talking about on yeah. Earthscape. And uh, I'm looking forward to the segment. I think it's a good, I think it's a good fit for us. And we'll... And I got to write a new theme song for it or a little music bumper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm totally thinking about new bumpers and things we could, we could make. We have to do a session soon, I think. Oh, my God. Okay. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be fun. Well, I am here now with Tali Kasparis. Tali lives in Los Angeles, California. She has been a progressive activist since she was 15 years old. And now at 57, she continues to work tirelessly to uphold democracy and civil rights. She also works as a casting director and a death doula. I am very happy to welcome Tali Kasparis to the show. <laughs> Thank this you. I sound like quite a mixed bag from that introduction, but I guess it's all true. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, so I wanted, I definitely want to hear about everything. Well, the but first 15 I, was um, the Equal Rights Amendment. That's what we were working on when I was 15. We were trying to pass the ERA. Okay. Yeah. That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, how did you get involved with that? How did that come to be? My mom is a very hardcore second wave feminist. She was a single mom, realtor, if you give her an opportunity, she will sit you down and tell you that a woman couldn't get a credit card before 1972. And, you know, like she'll really go into all the things. So I knew that being a woman, uh, no one was going to fight for me. I had to do it myself. And we've been standing up since, what, if I was 15, it was 1982, I think. Mm -hmm. And where, did you grow up in I LA did. Or where, I did. Where I grew up uh, on Santa Monica. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> place for mm -hmm. sure. So you so you you got into politics I guess you know because of your mom and were you writing letters were you <laughs> showing up at protests like what did you do with that No and I think I misled you by saying I got into politics because of my mom because that's not it I got into activism because of my mom Okay that's right Yeah the thing that we had that I was taught growing up was that you had to figure out what you believed in and then maintain that and put that out into the world and stand by it and be a person of honor and integrity and that's what it meant to be an upstanding citizen. Uh, that's always been my belief. And as a teenager from 15 to 18 in LA in the 80s, early 80s, getting pregnant was an issue. So we needed to make sure that we had access to STD care and that we had access to any reproductive choice issues we might have had. Uh, so we worked a lot at Planned Parenthood rallies. Uh, we did a lot of anti-blocking the protesters at clinics. That one was crazy. I hope you... Was that scary? Yeah. The, the, well, no, it was infuriating. Walking that gauntlet was infuriating. How dare they? Who were these people? How did they think that they had that ability? I mean, I just finished telling you that figure out what you believe in, stand up for it, and do everything you can to maintain it in the world. I guess I didn't draw the boundary of within reason uh, without harming another human being. 
um, understanding that you have to work um, again from a place of truth and justice. I mean, this is so crazy, but I just, I believe in America. I believe in this stuff. I was born in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I think that might have something to do with it. Um, but I really believed this stuff. And as you get older um, and you come into contact with the real world, you start to realize what a racist, uh, sexist, uh, ableist, um, on and on and on uh, country we're living in and how it's basically been set up and maintained to support one very small fraction of the population. And what I'm saying is that you have to stand up for what you believe in without hurting somebody else. And the people in the gauntlet, they didn't have that border. Alex Jones didn't have that, that boundary. Um, I don't understand people who think that they can bully their way into having somebody accept their beliefs or that they can blackmail you into doing it or that they can peer pressure you into doing it or that they could, you know, like you have to believe in something independently. Why would you want somebody to pledge allegiance to your flag if they didn't mean it? Mm -hmm. True, true. I just talked in big circles there. So if you want me to break down any of that, please <laughs> let me know. I'm just looking back on what I said and I'm like, wow, I didn't answer the question you asked, but I threw like 10 other things out there. <laughs> I, I think you got it. I have questions about what you think Alex Jones believes or not, but I don't even want to talk about him, honestly. I, right I just am loving that um, people are being held accountable for inaccuracies, finally. It, it's been a long couple of years, right? That's yeah. all I really meant by that. So, inaccuracy is a is a word for yeah. it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about. I was asking you um, why, why bother. It may <laughs> yeah, it may seem overly simplistic to ask it, but how does activism really affect our democracy and move us forward? Because a lot of people feel like it doesn't really matter what we do. I, I understand that because uh, we went going back to what I said about the government and being set up to serve a small group of people. Those are the people who fund campaigns. And so the they're also the people who choose the candidates. They're the people who put them forward into the uh, political committees and get the parties behind them. So that's what we need to do as activists, is we need to find candidates who are going to put forward our values, stand up for what we believe in. Um, there's a wonderful organization called the Progressive Change campaign committee or the progressive committee for campaign change i can't remember which one uh, but they are boldprogressives.org and they are a wonderful organization i recommend everybody follow them they're really active they're one of the people who ran aoc uh, they were behind elizabeth warren and recently they put a lot of time and effort into a phenomenal candidate named lucas kuntz uh, he was running for the Democratic in the Democratic primary for the nomination for the U.S. Senate seat, and he lost. He lost to a self-proclaimed billionaire, and this gentleman grew up in abject poverty. Uh, served in the military. His mother died of cancer. He had, she had to move into his house when um, she got sick. Uh, he is one of us. And Lucas made the most phenomenal concession speech I have ever heard. Uh, both Bernie Sanders and AOC put it forward on their Twitter. Uh, I recommend any, everybody look it up on YouTube. The gentleman's name is Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, Kunz, K-U-N-C-E. And he was running for Senate in Missouri. And he will explain to you why it is important uh, to get involved, why it is important to 
engage, why it is important to um, stand and be counted is the way I like to put it most often with grassroots activism. And so you can sit there and feel like it's all happening to you, and most of it is. I'm not going to lie. You know, grassroots organizing and grassroots activism doesn't change things. What it does is it generates interest in the community, gets people to start paying attention. Grassroots activism gets signs in yards. Grassroots activism gets people talking about candidates on the street. It gets flyers being put into people's mailboxes. Uh, we all can't find things on social media anymore. There's no one place to reach everybody except word of mouth, and that's grassroots activism. I recently started a private Facebook group called uh, My Liberal Agenda, and I encourage everybody here to join it. Uh, there's six simple rules, which I'll tell you about in a second, but basically we are putting forward progressive candidates in different races that we feel are important and that people need to know about. And it's just a site for us to learn about who's out there and what they're doing uh, so that we can take this information back into our homes and decide how we want to disseminate it. That sounds mm -hmm. great. And that's a very proactive, specific thing to do. It's very mm -hmm. cool. And it's also a thing of like, why does activism matter? Um, if I hadn't been doing this for the last 10 years, I wouldn't have this knowledge. I also wouldn't have this itch that I need to scratch. Like, I need to talk about this stuff now. I, I need to. Um, I need to say, yay, Lucas Kuntz, thank you for running. Um, things like that. And I, my friends don't always want to hear it. You know, let's face it, your friends don't always want to hear it. But uh, I feel like I'm shouting into the void now and people might hear something. That's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I don't think it's complete void. So that's Feels good. Like it. That is encouraging for sure. So wh where are the current political causes that you are most focused on? <laughs> or what are the folks? That was right. I mean, it's, it's the you know what I mean. It's the progressive <laughs> agenda for for sure. It's recognition of climate change and action to uh, do whatever we can if we can do massively at this point. That was to me the uh, miracle of quarantine. Was that all the factories mm. shut down for two months? All the factories in the whole world shut down for two months. Ah, <sighs> we could just do that again. Um, so climate change, uh, we need without, to without a virus, hopefully. <laughs> however, it works. I'm sorry, but if you're however not gonna take the steps that are necessary. Nature's going to take them for you. And, and we're going to have to deal with that, which isn't very fun. Uh, but no, so I believe climate change is huge. I believe bodily autonomy is a gigantic issue in this country. And I mean bodily autonomy all the way from women's reproductive choices, uh, trans rights to have surgery or to take um, hormones or not, uh, to medical aid and dying. Uh, do you get to choose uh, your own death if you are terminally ill? Uh, so I lump all of these things in together, and I believe that the tenants of the citizens of the United States of America say that, yes, we are entitled to all of those things. We are citizens. We should have bodily autonomy. Mm, absolutely. Um, what's one of the other ones? Uh, gun control. I am a freak about gun control. Um, I apologize to all of you wonderful, uh, safe, practical gun owners out there, but I hate your fucking guns. I want them gone. Uh, I want you to melt them down and I want you to turn them into statues that honor all of the kids that have died. I hate your guns. And okay, here's another thing for grassroots activism. When the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting happened in Parkland and the kids stepped forward and said, we're 
step aside, old people, we're going to do something. That was grassroots activism at its very best. So I went to their website and I said, hey, I'm an adult. I've organized stuff. If you need somebody to stand in line for permits, I'm your gal. And I just filled out a volunteer form and sent it in. And they contacted me and I ended up working with the student organizers from the Los Angeles branch of March for Our Lives, media training them how to uh, develop their message, get it across, and be specific on the day. And then I worked as a PR agent that day for Richard Castaldo, who was the second person shot and the first person to survive Columbine. And I took him through the wow. press line. He was down with us in the March for Our Lives Los Angeles. And it was one of my proudest moments ever. And I did it because I was willing to stand in line and get forms. Nice. So really showing up and telling people what your skills are, you know, and just being And being willing. I'm afraid that a lot of people, Mm -hmm. they want to uh, have these great ideas and come in and launch campaigns. And I'm like, that's really, really great. But can you make a sandwich? Because sometimes what we really need is somebody to make a sandwich. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you you did mention your, um, about bodily autonomy and that including death with dignity. Medical aid and dying, yes. Medical aid, mm-hmm. right. And and I'm really curious about what it is like to be a, a death doula. That is something that is not common and very uh, powerful, it seems. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, it's an honor for me to do it. And again, this just comes with leaning into your strengths. Uh, I am a freak when my friends have babies. I do not know what to do. I'm sure I'm going to call you in the 35 seconds that you've gotten some sleep. I'm sure that I'm going to just mess up your whole routine with the baby. And I pretty much disappear for like seven years until the kid can talk and is in school. Uh, But I know what to do when somebody dies. I always have. I show up. I bring food. I sit on the couch. I hold space. Um, It's simple actions that are take a tremendous amount of patience and um, space holding to do and I know that sounds like a ridiculous term but if you've ever sat with somebody who's grieving you'll understand what it means it's not about you Mm -hmm. you don't have an agenda you don't have uh, any wish or goal except for the person to not be alone in their grief and uh, that is a powerful tool that I believe is a healing one I think if you can witness people in their moments of vulnerability, in their moments of need, uh, in a moment that is so human that every single person will experience, uh, sometimes multiple times, um, that's being human to me. That's what we do. We need to make each other's lives better every way we can. And that's why I sit next to people when they're dying and it's why I put in paperwork forms to volunteer for March for Our Lives. It's an honor. These are the moments where you find the sacred in life, the divine, Mm -hmm. in the hearts of the kids Mm -hmm. who were organizing against gun violence, in the eyes of somebody who is taking control of their destiny um, and is not looking towards four months of watching their brain and their body deteriorate while they're in incredible pain and on so many drugs that they aren't conscious of the room that they're in. Um, that's a credible, incredible empowerment for the person to... Sometimes it's, you would say take control. Sometimes you would say it would be more of just being in dominion over your journey. Mm-hmm. And again, you can say that in uh, a lot of LGBTQIA journeys, a lot of trans journeys. Um, a lot of times we just 
as a society have set up a wall in the places where we connect. And I don't think that's an accident. We, when you sit with somebody and somebody's dying, when you sit with somebody and you're organizing a gun rally, when you sit with somebody after gun violence, uh, you never forget each other. You'll do anything to help each other. You will go across the country, you'll raise money, you'll speak on their behalf. And those are the kind of bonds that we need if we are going to smash the patriarchy like all the kids love to say. Um, I, w I really wish them well. Trust, I'm not dumping on the kids when they say that. I just think that it's a, a broad term that people don't actually understand. Um, I think that's a... Right, it's a slogan and what, what, what's behind Right, it. exactly. That's what I'm what rolling my eyes at, not the fact that we need to do it. Um, So you say it's not an accident that we stay isolated. I don't think so. Isolation makes us weak. Yeah. Isolation makes us afraid. Um, it makes us scared and it makes us compete with each other. Um, uh, again, I, I'm a casting director and a lot of moms want to get their kids into the commercial industry. I'm a commercial casting director and they think it's really easy and it's not. It's really toxic. And the first thing you're teaching your kid when you're bringing them out to audition is that every single person their age is a competitor. And kids don't think that way. Kids look around and they go, yeah, I've got something in common, let's play. And we teach them to compete with each other. We separate them, we build in, society builds in those separations, the othering of each other. Um, and the small, powerful group of people um, who make the laws and who pay for the stuff, you know, do you want to call them the white elite? You'd be correct. Do you want to call them the Illuminati? You'd probably be correct. Do you want to call them rich land-owning white males? You're totally right. You know, like, I am not going to define who that group is. We just know there's a group because we're not in it and they keep hurting us. That's how we know there's a group. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think it's an accident. I think they keep us scared and separated as much as they can, and the more we reach towards connection, the better chance we have of changing things. Nice. Um, <laughs> so is there a character to the Los Angeles activist community in particular, <laughs> or, or do you, as I know that people sort of joke around about the Hollywood elites and the, you know, the coastal elites and all those kinds of things. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, what is I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not in their world, which I really love. Um, I landed a tiny bit in Black Hollywood's world around the 2018 election. I was a member of a co-working space called Blackbird House that was owned by uh, Bridget Coulter Cheadle. She's uh, Don Cheadle's partner and a phenomenal designer and uh, activist on her own right and as we were approaching the 2018 election we did a lot of meet and greets and talks and candidate vetting down there and so that's kind of the closest I've come to the Hollywood elite and I love working with the women at Blackbird House I would do it any day of the week anytime um, but I have gone to some of the meet and greet garden parties in Pacific Palisades for example um, where they really want Rick Caruso to be mayor and uh, that's not my world um that that's not those aren't my values i'm not i don't care about your property values except that it funds your schools um and i know that people think i'm crazy but i just have never thought the patriarchy was worth protecting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no i don't i don't think we think you're crazy. okay good because i really <laughs> get like people crazy. look at me like i'm just nuts like i can't tell you how yeah, often yeah. people say to me like you know you have to make money and i'm like but do you really 
Do you need to do it in that way? Do you need to do it in a way that like you're hurting somebody else? Is that really what you've got to do? I don't think so. And I, uh, I hope I don't do that. And uh, by the way, if you ever catch me doing that, call me out on it, please. <laughs> I will keep that in mm-hmm. mind <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so thank you for talking with us. It's, you're, you're a really interesting person and, and it's good to talk to someone who's sort of really finding places in the moment to do the work that matters, you know? Oh, I appreciate um, that. It, you'd be surprised yeah. do you have any where you can find doing the work that matters with your skills. It really just is being open and volunteering. Uh, in 2008, uh, and when the Kavanaugh healing, hearings were happening and every woman in the United States just felt so completely deflated, um, a group of media professionals joined together under the um, tutelage of Rama Mosley, who is a phenomenal uh, Afghan-American director. Uh, she had put out a tweet that said, hey, if you're running for office in 2018, I'll make a campaign spot for you for free. And over 400 media professionals stepped forward to help create that vision and to make it happen. And they put out a call for somebody who had time on their hands. And I did at that time because I was working with a, a client who was dying and I had a lot of time on my hands. I was sitting in front of a computer a lot, so I jumped forward. And I ended up co-executive producing this effort where we made 41 uh, campaign spots over 17 states uh, for 38 candidates in three and a half weeks. And we did it without charging a candidate a dime. We did not charge them one dime. And uh, that again was just because the moment was there and everybody was like, oh, oh, we have to do something. And so we did. And that's what grassroots activism is. Just what can you do? Do it. Yes. Thank you. I was gonna ask you for some words of wisdom or inspiration to end this conversation and I think that those were it so thanks I really appreciate talking yeah with my you. pleasure <laughs> all right thank you we got questions we got answers and today AJ asks us how long does it take you to put a podcast up and what does the process look like Oh, my God. AJ, AJ has <laughs> said, you know, they're very interested in the, the uh, you know, the origin stories and, oh. and how our stuff works. So that okay. might be, uh, they might want to be, step up their, what do you call it? Their Patreon. Oh, their Patreon. Their Patreon and become one of the oh. people who uh, sits oh, behind oh. the scenes. And oh, that would be us. cool. We'll, we'll I, see. I was, <laughs> I was going to facetiously say, well, you can, you can, uh, pay, you can download our course, How to Podcasting 101, which we haven't <laughs> done yet. We haven't done Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we certainly could. Well, yeah. But, but no, but seriously, it's about, it, this is about us. And I think everyone does it differently but yeah we sort of it's interesting at least for me all between shows I just kind of vaguely well I listen to a lot of news I probably listen to too much you know political podcast stuff and sometimes (laughs) but I, I just sort of vaguely stay aware of what I feel are like the most important stories or the one the things that move me the most 
and mm. with with also an attention uh, an attention toward say like the the last week follow like coming into our next show so i can okay talk about news that still will feel a little relevant by the time we get to it <laughs> because you know things happen so fast in this environment so that's one of the things i do and i just start thinking about the news items i want to talk about and we fill in our various segments we think you know um and we record on a monday and put the show out on a wednesday so hopefully it's not too stale <laughs> once once it comes <laughs> out what are the, some of the other aspects of things that we oh gosh prepare? um i get into i can talk very at, at quite a length about the minutiae of the technical aspects of everything we record on monday i edit on tuesday and throw it over the fence to robin on Tuesday afternoon if I'm really, really on top of things or Tuesday evening if it drags out all day, which has happened. And then Robin does some kind of magic over the next 12 <laughs> or 18 hours, and which sometimes includes, Wendy, you left something in there that shouldn't be in there and I have to find it and get rid of it and re-render the show and send it back to her. And then Wednesday, we have an edited and quality checked <laughs> show at, that uh, Robin writes the notes and, and, and says, here it is, and, and then post publishes it. And I do, I upload the audio file and make a draft of the post, unless she's gotten ahead of the game and made a draft of the post first. And then, uh, then it goes out to you guys. Yeah, that's basically it. You know, it's my work is like Tuesday night, Wednesday morning to to get it out. And I both do a combination of like sort of gathering the notes we've already written. We sort of have notes that we work from when we're recording in terms of just like the news blurbs and yeah. links and things like that and our, our random facts that we come up with. <laughs> and those are usually pretty. Sometimes I'll think like someone will say something somewhere else where I dwell on the internet discord or something I'm like oh that is totally a, a random fact I have to say <laughs> and sometimes I'll say that's a great random fact but it's just a little too weirdly inappropriate so I'm not going to use that one <laughs> <laughs> but we get you know we come that all comes together and that sometimes is even just you know Monday morning we're like oh here's my random fact you know we'll throw that right. in and then yeah so then when I gather up those notes I'll sort of put those all in a draft while I'm listening to the episode. Yeah. And usually a title will pop out at me and we'll use something that some something that usually the the interviewee has said that's like, okay, that mm -hmm. sounds like the title for the for this episode. That's the hook. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so you listen, you listen to the together. show to, to find a hook for your title and, and uh oh. that's cool. Exactly. And for stray you know, sounds, which we haven't had yes. many lately. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get, you know, we get better. It's, it's, yeah. you know, we find the, the mistakes and, and try not to make them multiple times. Yeah. I think we've done, I, I think we have really streamlined it a lot. We used to yeah. actually record almost a week before the show came out. Oh yeah. And that, that was, was in the old days, in the way old days. Yeah. And that was Okay, but it just took the news would be like such old news by the time we yeah. got to it that we decided to try to turn it around faster. Well, yeah, it's either either if you're going to do a news show, it has to have a fast turnaround or we just don't do news. Right. 
you know, otherwise, yeah, you because know, otherwise, like, oh, that was like a month ago. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. um, now, we, Robin and I have been podcasting since 2005. Yes, I that's unbelievable. But yeah, yeah that's that, true. that is very, that is crazy. I mean, and that, those podcasts, which you can't really find anymore. <laughs> lost we, to time. <laughs> yeah, lost to time. Uh, we would go to somebody's house and it was four of us because I think we were trying to pretend we were the view. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we'd go over to this other person's house and I'd have a little portable recorder and I'd put it on the table and we'd all talk for a couple of hours and I'd cut it up into like four to eight episodes and then post those like once a week or schedule them once a week. And then, you know, we were actually at the beginning of this podcast, we were meeting in person to record until until Squadcast magically appeared as a web app and made things so much easier. I didn't want this to turn into an ad for them, but uh, <laughs> they're really well, good. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like having everybody on a separate track so I can adjust volume and pan things right and, you know, do all the audio things I need to do. Whereas if you're just getting in a room and everybody's talking, you are stuck with, you know, their ambient room noise and people talking over each other and, you know, all that other stuff. So it's it's a lot cleaner for from an editing perspective to have everybody on a separate track. So yeah. Yeah. and and, uh, and if anybody is interested in, in having us tutor you in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we are thinking about putting that together and we should. Yeah, we we should definitely have the the expertise and wisdom to to uh this is definitely my lane i'm not i'm not appropriating anything to, <laughs> to talk about how we do podcasting i'm completely happy to chew your ear off for days on that so <laughs> <laughs> nice well thank you for your question aj yes thank you aj well, thanks for listening. I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And if you're on Discord or travel in subgenius circles, you might find me around there as Andrew Genus. And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And on Discord, I'm uh, not there often or at all, but I have an account and the name there is Vox Woman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know if you want us to join any uh, servers on Discord as Vox Woman, I... which you probably won't because you're not there. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. So send us your questions and uh, just connect with us there. We are always happy to connect and talk, talk with you. So until next time. Be well. Look out for space junk. And keep, and keep left. left. <laughs> You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Leftscape. Thanks for listening. <laughs>